Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of Namaste Bitches, a wellness podcast where I get people from all walks of life, ask them for one piece of advice, and we go from there. This episode, I had Steph Godrow on, founder of StupidEasyPaleo.com. She also wrote the Performance Paleo Cookbook, which is the cookbook I worked out of exclusively when I was doing my January food challenge during the paleo portion. If you go back and read that blog, I lost 12 pounds in one month. No big deal. End of February right now, and I've kept it off. No big deal. But Steph is just an amazing woman. She is a weightlifting coach. Uh, she does online seminars. She has going on right now as you're listening to listening to this something called the Women's Strength Summit, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. But I had a lovely time talking to her. I was a bit nervous. We don't know each other personally, and uh, this is the first episode I've ever done via Skype. Steph lives in California. I live in London. I asked her to be on the podcast. She got to me back. She got back to me immediately. Said she could do it, which really surprised me right there. And the first time we tried to do it, my equipment malfunctioned and we couldn't. And then she was so uh, lovely to be able to come back the next day and record it. And here it is. So she was incredibly patient with me. She's a lovely woman. You have a, a lot to learn from her. So just strap in, uh, maybe get out a notebook, jot some notes down. You'll enjoy this. Let's get right to it. This is Steph Godrow, everybody. Steph Godrow, what is your piece of advice? Uh, my, my piece of advice, and I said this uh, a little bit earlier, is based on uh, usually where I am in my own life. <laughs> based what is kind of where I base my the advice that I dole out to people. Um, but it would be uh, take more time for yourself than you think you need. Yeah, that's uh, as I said earlier, that's not one I've gotten before. So I really like it. Yeah. But how much? So do you? Are you a person who do you set aside time for yourself? most days and then you have you just come to realize it's not enough time um i think no recent relatively recently this this kind of <clears throat> revelation came to me and it, it was also through the help of working with my coach because i do have like a i don't know she doesn't have an actual term but she's been <laughs> she's kind of my business slash life coach oh cool and um we were talking about how i was feeling especially around the beginning of the year i was feeling like I was on a treadmill and somebody was very insidiously turning up the speed on the treadmill mm-hmm. without me knowing, you know, and at first it, it's manageable, right? And then after a while, you're like, whoa, I can't keep up with this. And I mean, I was in the middle of working on a, a, a project and the holidays and, you know, just didn't have my notifications turned off on my phone. I mean, just getting bombarded all the time with information and we live on the west coast of the u.s so we're in, we're in san diego and socal you know and i wake up relatively early kind of on my own without an alarm and no I'm, one no one needs me like right away but you know you're kind of like whoa though the rest of the u.s has been up for two three hours mm-hmm. it's afternoon in europe like emails are, are already waiting and so i i had this kind of tendency to wake up and just go right to work Mm -hmm. 
and I do my most sort of productive, creative work in the morning, but I was, I, I kind of was starting to realize that that, you know, my, my coach was like, so tell me what your day is like, you know, tell me everything you do. And so I got to the end and I was like, God, that's, that doesn't sound very like productive, or n- not productive. That doesn't sound very balanced, um, especially in the morning time. So yeah, so I've started to set aside some time in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of for me and to ease into the day. And it, it really does sort of change the the energy um, around what I do. And it's not – I still do the same things. Just but in a different order? Not even that. It's just I give myself a little bit of breathing room before I'm like, what does everybody else need? <laughs> did you, did you <laughs> fall into uh... – the I I sometimes fall into the habit of I'm just going to check my email real quick before oh, yeah. yeah and then oh, four yeah. hours later you're like ah. <laughs> now I <laughs> yeah, have to make my Facebook like, page look really cool you had to resurface after falling down ten thousand different rabbit holes and, yeah and are like ah oh, I didn't eat breakfast and I mean I never you know I never got to the point where I was neglecting myself. Mm-hmm you know, on my basic needs, but that mental space, that time. And I mean, especially as a business owner, as somebody who, I don't have a lot of people in my life that are depending on me for their direct care. I mean, I have a husband and a cat, but. Um, Very important they, though. They could, Very they important. Get, they could get on without me. I mean, they, <laughs> they you know, the cat at least uh, needs me to feed her, but hey, I mean, it's not like I don't have, I don't have six kids that, that need me right now or um, anything like that. I make my own work. I d- can decide every day what I do when I do it. Mm-hmm. But there's just this uh, this kind of overall feeling like, you know, me taking care of everybody else's needs, requests, desires, complaints, you know, whatever it is, and, and, and yet not taking enough time. Yeah. So just to back up, what time do you usually wake up in the morning? Somewhere around 6, 6.30. Oh, God, I can't. I go to bed at 3. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but And then when you talk about creating time for yourself in the morning, what does that entail for you? Yeah, so one of the big things I started to do was sleep with my phone in the living room. What? Okay, mm-hmm. this is going to sound so <laughs> stupid, but... Oh, you don't need an alarm. No. Okay. Never mind. Because yeah. I was like, yeah. how do you wake up at all? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I I go to bed at roughly the same time. I wake up within plus or minus 30 minutes usually of of my waking time every day. So I, I'm pretty regulated mm-hmm. in terms of, of that. I know I'm not going to sleep in until 10 and miss a bunch of important stuff if I have it scheduled. But yeah, I started sleeping with my phone in the living room, which I think was the first time I had done that. I think, okay, here, I'll, I'll date myself here. I think I got my first cell phone when I was in college. So this was maybe 2000 and f- might have even been after that. No, it, it was it was probably around 2001. Mm-hmm. 2000, 2001 is when I got my first cell phone. So there you go. Like <laughs> in college, is in college. Yeah. Uh, all of you, all of you kids out there. So, you know, I think pretty much since then I had slept with my phone in my room. Yeah. Or, or nearby within arm's reach. 
And so I would wake up. So I wake up usually before my husband and Mm -hmm. I would just lie in bed and kind of start checking Instagram, check email. And like I said, at first it didn't seem like a big deal. I mean, I've been doing it for years and years, but as my audience has grown, as my business has grown, you know, it was just more, more of everything, more emails, more notifications, more everything. And I, uh, yeah, so I I was like, okay, that's that's it. Phone's going to be in the, in the living room. Um, when I get out in the living room in the morning, I usually just try to go right to the kitchen and you know get some water, make my coffee, have a little snack, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, sometimes work on or open up my journal and kind of see where what I what I'm doing today. And I have an online calendar, but I so relish the idea of writing things down and maybe I'm just kind of old school but it it's it stinks in my brain a little bit better <laughs> no, I'm that. the same way I still yeah. carry a moleskin for joke telling yeah. which so many of my friends put them on their phone and I'm just like how can you <laughs> register anyway yeah. but yeah. yeah so I've just started giving myself that time in the morning and sometimes it's 15 minutes sometimes it's a half an hour sometimes it's a little bit longer but it's just Created a little bit of breathing room mm-hmm. in and my day. Tell us uh, about what you do specifically. Tell tell me about stupideasypaleo.com. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> you know, my day is usually spent primarily online mm-hmm. for my job. I get to sometimes go out and do in-person you know, nutrition seminars and stuff like that. We just had one at our gym this past weekend and I got to go and talk about nutrition and all that good stuff. But the mo- the bulk of my interactions with people uh, through work happens online. Mm-hmm. So my day, it depends what day of the week it is, but my day is usually spent creating some kind of content, whether it's blog posts or social media posts. I have a virtual assistant who does some of that for me uh, in terms of the social media stuff, but like, when you say virtual assistant, do you mean someone somewhere else who does it, or do you have a robot that generates things? Oh no, somebody somewhere else. Okay, yeah, yeah his name is Dylan, so okay. he's an actual real person. But um, you know, for me, just to manage everything in terms of social media, when you see me post on Instagram, that's me. Mm-hmm. If, um, sometimes on Twitter, if I reply, if I reply back to somebody, that's me. Cool. So, you know, I'm out there. I can't do everything, but I, I am still, I do have a lot of touch points in terms of social media. You know, I might be recording podcast episodes. I might be um, creating graphics. I mean, my day is just a, it's usually a mishmash of different stuff. And then, you know, if I'm working on a recipe, I might be doing photography for that. Or if I'm working with a client on food photography, maybe taking pictures for them. I know I I have on my calendar, I've got to do uh, a recipe for a photograph shoot for Paleo Magazine. I'm doing a a sort of a collaborative column with Mel Julwan. And so she's writing the recipes and I'm doing the photography. So Mm -hmm. yeah, my day is just like a random mixture of (laughs) creating and generating content and reaching out to people and uh, and then I I actually coach a couple times a week at the gym as well. So that's Wednesday night and uh, Saturday morning. So 
Yeah, it's just a it's a wide variety of different things that I do. It's not just one thing. And do you have clients that you coach via the internet? Like, is it life coaching or uh, nutrition? What do you do with clients via the internet? Yeah, so I, you know, have a, a program that runs a couple times a year. It's called Healthy, Happy, Harder to Kill. That's a virtual program, and it's part nutrition coaching, part strength coaching, and then I would call it. Yeah, life coaching or, or mindset stuff. And then I do have some private clients that I also coach as well, similar stuff, but they're more a one-on-one coaching situation. So we get Oop. on calls together. And uh, and then when I go to the gym, I'm doing weightlifting coaching. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So you yeah. have your hands in so many pots. <laughs> so did it, did it all start with uh, the food blog? Is it? Yeah. I mean, that... <clears throat> That was really what kicked off my sort of foray into what I'm doing now. But predating the food blog, I actually had a personal blog. Mm-hmm. And I, I first learned about the term blog from a student of mine. So I used to teach high school yeah, uh, chemistry and biology. I did that for 12 years. But in my very first year of teaching, so this was 2001, yeah, 2001 or 2002, I I was substitute teaching for like a long-term subposition and I was teaching middle schoolers. And one of my middle school students showed me at on the computer in the classroom. She was like, this is my blog. Her name's Ashley, by the way, and I still keep in touch with her. And she is a blogger. She's a food blogger. Oh, really? So, so, so I had this student named Ashley and, and she was like, hey, check out my blog. And I thought, what is a what is a blog? I mean, I didn't even have any idea that this was a thing. So she uh, she is still a blogger today, and she's a, a food blogger, and we keep in touch, and she's very sweet. But um, it was it was probably 2008 or nine or so, and I decided I wanted to start just a personal blog where I actually wrote about mountain biking. Prior to strength training and weightlifting, I was a pretty serious mountain biker, and I would race, and I would write up and take pictures and write up where I'd ridden and where I'd raced and what that was about. So I had a blog before Stupid Easy Paleo and I, I love to cook and I would we'd get together on these riding weekends and I would cook for people or bring something and everybody always said, well, where what's the recipe for that thing? It was really good. And so I decided to start putting food recipes on my personal blog. And then at some point, it was obviously 2011, that's when Stupid Easy Paleo started, Somebody said, and I can't remember who it is, somebody said, you should start a food blog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I guess. I mean, sure. <laughs> Why not? And it was really, I mean, this was before really even things like virtual recipe boxes existed. You know, it was just a place for me to write recipes and send people to. So mm-hmm. that's initially how I got started in all of this. And I did that on the side is something I enjoyed and just really liked doing. And I was teaching still at the time. And then in 2011, I did a a coaching program with my friend Don Fletcher and she, it was, it was a program for CrossFit competitors. Mm -hmm. So I went into this program thinking I'm going to learn how to be a better CrossFit competitor, which I did. I learned a lot about the mind of competition or the mind of a competitor and how to deal with competition and how to be mentally strong. But one of the other things I that I got out of that was like, wow, I'm really not happy with my job. <laughs> I really don't find a lot of fulfillment for my career. 
<clears throat> and so at that kind of put the bug in my ear and that was late 2011 that I needed something had to change. I needed to yeah. do something different. I just didn't know what or how or because all I knew is teaching. I had been teaching my entire you know, career after I graduated college. It's all I had ever done. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't I know I can't keep doing this, but I don't know what else to do. And so, um, you know, I, I do have a, a degree in biology and human physiology, and I was always really interested in science and how the body works and nutrition and um, kept blogging and doing recipes. And people would reach out to me and say, how did you do paleo? You know, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Can you give me some, can you help me? Can you give me some tips? Like, what are some things I should know? And so gradually, um, through just a lot of consistency and constantly blogging and showing up and putting stuff out into the world, I started to gain a following, you know, more than like five people were reading my website. So that's, that's really how it all started. And that, you know, food has really been the gateway to me expanding now out into this idea of sort of your, your entire lifestyle about it in a very holistic way. Sure. Food is like a great gateway into better health and addressing those things because it's so universal and visual and it's such an experience. It's cultural, it's social, it's, you know, it's tangible, but really when you want to improve health and longevity long term, eventually you have to start branching out into other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Your sleep, your stress management, your movement, your fitness, um, you know, your socialization is, is really so multifaceted. And so the food was a great way to sort of launch into um, what's going to be sort of my new venture, which is myself branded website. And that's really exploring all of these other areas that we can become strong, mental strength, physical strength, um, strength of spirit, uh, you know, all of these different things through different factors. And how can you sort of put it together in a balanced, balanced, sane, sustainable approach? Because so much of what's out there is like six minute abs and um, lose seven pounds in seven days. And we're like, we know that crap doesn't work. We're so drawn to it because it gives a really quick payoff, you know, that it makes it ta- sound so easy. Yeah. Like, oh. and I, was, I was talking to a friend earlier about this idea of there is no end date for working <laughs> on your health. I mean, and working on your lifestyle and having a in wellness and um, and happiness like there's no yay, you did it. You can stop now. Yeah. You know, I think that's actually very, there's a lot of freedom in that. And I think there's a lot of endless possibility in that because it's not like, well, by this day, three months from now, I need to have this all figured out. Yeah. I guess that's what I find daunting about the whole wellness thing is I am in a constant struggle to figure it out. So for a long time, I devoted my life to yoga, which was awesome and great. And yeah. then as I became a comedian, as those two worlds merged, it's literally one is a day job and one is a night job. And it sure. just threw my sleep and my eating schedule completely out of whack. And now I'm trying to figure out how to live well with a schedule of living at night and uh, traveling a lot on the weekends. And mm-hmm. I'm 
yeah when you were like it's a constant journey i'm like but i want (laughs) to i need to figure it out yeah well and there's never i mean life is always gonna change Mm. i'm not gonna be the same now as i will be 10 years from now or 20 years from now or or next year yeah and so the target is always going to be moving i'm not going to ever stay the same and so as i continue to progress and, and life takes its journey and, mm-hmm. and things change, um, whether they're for the better or for the worse. I know that I've got sort of like a set of tools in my toolbox that I've, I've accumulated through experience and experimentation and whatever it is, like the, just the doing. And I can go forward and say, well, this thing has changed. Um, now I, I'm going to just adjust my course. Yeah. You know, so oh. I, I, I think that's very freeing. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to write that <laughs> down and put it on my wall somewhere. Uh, when I think of taking time for myself and doing that sort of thing, which is something that I have heard about before, I always think it has to be a bit of a production, you know, like a bubble bath has to be involved. But I like that Steph just said, you know, she wakes up in the morning, she doesn't look at her phone, has some water, has some coffee, and the time varies. Sometimes it's 15 minutes, a half an hour, sometimes longer. But I I like the simplicity to that. And when she said that there's no end date to working on your health, oh, how delightful yet frustrating for me at the same time because I I don't know about you guys but I'm someone who's always trying to figure it out but I think she has a good point where there can be a lot of freedom in not having an end date or not quote unquote figuring it out um, it's just really cool it's a really uh, interesting way to think which I had never I never thought of before but instead of trying to get it right just to go with the flow and use what works for you in the moment. In this next section, we get a little more into the paleo diet and what exactly it is, how Steph has made paleo more of a lifestyle than just something you do for two weeks, which is basically what I did, and uh, what she has to say uh, to people who criticize that type of diet, which, you know, some people not that into it. So uh, Steph kind of responds to the haters, if you will. So let's get right back to it. I have your cookbook, the Performance Paleo Cookbook, which I bought in January when I made this food uh, food challenge for myself. And one of the reasons why I wanted to try paleo is it was a buzzword that I kept hearing around, but I didn't really know what it was. And yeah. when I was being like super strict paleo and I tell people, oh, I'm doing the paleo diet. It surprised me how many people didn't know what it was. A lot of people, when I would explain it, would go, oh, you're doing Atkins. And I was like, no, 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 it's not Atkins. It's <laughs> something completely different. But do you do you find that people, that it's, like, when I say, oh, I'm doing a vegan diet, everyone knows what vegan is, but paleo is still really new. Do you find that or do you think? Oh, yeah. It, but I, I would kind of say this too, like, what whatever dietary paradigm you follow, there is a continuum of different ways to apply that concept. So when you're a vegan, 
you can do like super whole foods, clean, really healthy, whatever you want to call it. Or you can live off of processed vegan food. Yeah. Right? Like you can do paleo the same way. You can sort of do, uh, you know, a gluten-free, dairy-free, et cetera, approach and have it be full of junk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, yeah, people, human beings love tiny, neat little boxes that they can categorize things in because it makes, supposedly makes going about our day so much easier because we're able to identify things very neatly in their little constraints. But, you know, when you, when I say paleo to people, I don't mean the sort of trademarked um, Dr. Cordain, very strict, very rigid approach to eating. And there's nothing wrong. With it. It's just that if you're going to tell someone you're on a diet, you know, I, the first thing that comes to mind is um, terrible restriction and really like cutting calories or counting calories and weight loss. And, um, you know, it has such a negative connotation. And it has a connotation like, I don't know about you, but I know women that have been on a diet like their entire lives. Yeah, for sure. And so you're like, well, at what point does it stop becoming a diet? And at what part does it start becoming a set of general guidelines that helps you feel better and live healthier and um, be able to enjoy the moment right now more? Mm -hmm. And I think that's – so when I – you know, (laughs) lately I've been talking a lot about – sort of how how are you going to customize this approach to eating because everybody's body is different. Some people are dealing with um, autoimmune issues. Some people are dealing with, um, you know, high-performance athletics and they need to adjust their diet differently. Um, my husband has a histamine intolerance. So if he just ate all the paleo foods by the book, you know, kind of the strict um, – one size fits all definition, he'd constantly be breaking out with eczema. So, you know, that's just kind of an extreme example in just one case. But, you know, I make the point of the importance of, of doing an elimination period, mm-hmm. whether it's a month or three months or whatever. And then if you want, adding foods back in and seeing how your body reacts to those and then making those adjustments for yourself and realizing that you don't have to eat perfectly in most cases. I mean, unless we're, you're dealing with something like celiac disease and you're like, no, actually, if I eat a, even a tiny bit of gluten, I feel terrible from that. Um, many of us don't have s- those serious sorts of cases. We're just on a continuum of either some kind of low-level intolerance or just a preference that makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that if you're going to do something like paleo long-term, you you come to grips with the fact that it can't just be a one single definition of yes foods and no foods. And you've completely removed your own context from that conversation. Mm-hmm. For example, if I'm doing lots of endurance training, I mean, I'm going to probably eat more carbohydrates than somebody who's sedentary. Yeah. And, and neither of us is right or wrong. We've just taken our unique context into account. So I think that's why it becomes so difficult at, at some level for people to understand what paleo is and what it isn't. Yeah. But I just always say it's, you know, you're focusing on uh, real, whole, unprocessed foods as much as you can, 
meat, seafood, eggs, vegetables, fruit, and healthy fats. And that pretty much covers it. And there's also a lot of wiggle room and a lot of gray area there too for you to say, you know, I tried this food and actually don't feel really great when I eat it. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine too. So I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated when they're trying to define it because most of us who have been doing this for a long period of time, and it's, it's over six years for me, and I think over eight years for my husband, maybe nine, you know, it's like, you can't be on a, you know, you're not going to do like a grapefruit diet for six years or yeah. eight years, you know, um, and, and you can't approach long-term nutrition and sort of optimal wellness that way mm-hmm. because you're just going to set the bar so high and be so rigid that you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I ran into just talking to people about it is a lot of people see paleo diet as just that a diet as a short term, like like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or whatever, instead of a lifestyle. But so many people eat paleo or live paleo, however you want to say it, as (laughs) like that's that's just how you eat your food. Like, right. Um, are there, just out of curiosity, are there things in your diet that aren't strictly paleo that you, that w- you keep in cause they work better for you? Yeah. So, I mean, um, every once in a while I do have some white rice, mm-hmm. um, particularly if I'm training hard, which I am at this point right now. So, um, to help my recovery, if I'm going to do like for dinner, might do some white rice, um, or for post-workout. And I I mean, in terms of gluten-free grains, white rice is pretty benign, but it also is. Sorry. I just, a question (laughs) as, as a former vegetarian and yogi, uh, not brown rice, white, white, white rice, the the brand or the the coating of the rice that makes it brown Mm -hmm. is where a lot of the anti-nutrients reside. So interesting. Yeah, if you eat polished white rice, you're getting just the starch. Okay. Yeah. So for me, you know, because I am training pretty hard, doing a lot of strength training, um, I do better with a little bit more carbohydrate than somebody who might be a bit more sedentary. And I will uh, it will caveat this by saying, like, white rice and other sort of gluten-free grains don't make up a majority of my carb intake mm-hmm. because they also don't have a ton of nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like it's a great little packet of starch. It's great for being able to take advantage of your insulin sensitivity and and help shuttle some some carbohydrate back into your muscle. But it's just not super nutritious Uh, overall. If you compare it, say, gram per gram to something like a sweet potato, even a white potato, plantains. I mean, you name your starchy sort of root vegetable you just can't compare. Um, so I do that. I do some, I do some whey protein again, like sometimes post-workout. I was telling you earlier, I just don't prefer it. Cause I, it whey is everybody's like, whey digests so fast. It's great for post-workout, but it also digests so fast, um, that you get a huge spike of amino acids and really recovery from training takes place over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're doing whey protein, yeah, um, you kind of you've got to be honest with yourself about why you're doing it. It's because it's usually because it's convenient, yeah. <laughs> and it's easy. It's not because it's nutritionally superior to real food. So, um, but again, um, just based on sort of training and where I'm at and what my schedule is like, sometimes I'll do like a, a protein shake post workout with a bunch of other stuff added in there. Um, you know, if I'm going out and and I'm like that bread looks amazing, I might eat something out of the bread basket because I know for me bread 
isn't as problematic if I eat it in tiny amounts. Mm -hmm. But I do know that, like, for example, um, like milk heavy dairy. So things like heavy cream and butter, I've tested in and out of my diet. And because it's almost all fat, I actually don't have a problem with that. But things like ice cream and milk and cheese are very high in casein. And Mm. I... I have sort of a casein intolerance as far as I can tell because I just generally don't feel so great when I eat that sort of stuff. So, you know, a little bit of dairy, but it's usually full fat um, or in that case, whey protein and a little bit of uh, sort of gluten-free grains, white rice primarily. But I mean, other than that, we don't like if you... I always run into people at the grocery store and I think they're like, what's in her cart? Like, is she (laughs) eating ding-dongs and... Um, all that other stuff when yeah. no one's watching. And, you know, we eat primarily meat and vegetables. Yeah. So, but, you know, if I'm out and something looks awesome and it's a special occasion and I'm like, damn, I want that because it, it sounds good. And I know if there's a consequence to whatever that food and I'm going to accept what that consequence is, then I don't, you know, I don't see a problem with it. I'm not doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where people also get tripped up with eating paleo or other healthy diets is they're like, I have to do this a hundred percent of the time. Um, and if I don't, then I've either failed in some way Mm -hmm. or I will be shunned by my peers or, you know, I've, I'm just not done it and I'm going to like, woohoo, just go on a bender because (laughs) I ate something that was sort of off the plan. And Uh, again, you're going to be out and about and doing things in life and you just like, enjoy life I mean, yeah. eat healthy and think about your nutrition and try to live well but life is for living yeah <laughs> it's, not, it's not for perfection and and sort of denying yourself simple pleasures like that um one thing to back up when you were talking about uh after workout fuel and stuff one thing that i really loved about your cookbook is how you broke it down into like carby side dishes vegetables yeah. things to eat before a workout things i was like this is so much easier than like <laughs> appetizer dinner dessert type of uh cookbook which i just it was so it made it so easy to cook from because um like i could be like oh i want to make the what's it mocha rub beef beef thing that was amazing mm-hmm. um and then it was like okay well then i'll just pair it with these because these are the options that you suggested it was so easy um do you deal with uh or have you heard from any people who are kind of like paleo haters um as i said i have a, a friend who's a vegetarian who mm-hmm. while it was being strict paleo liked to uh tell me that it's not a sustainable way to live for the environment mm-hmm. And, or do you have people who just don't think it's healthy long-term or anything like that? There are numerous buckets which haters fall into these days. Um, I don't get a ton of it. Sometimes I do get random sort of hate on, uh, on Instagram and stuff like that. But, you know, so the concerns are generally lobbied toward, you know, cholesterol and, um, Saturated fat is bad, and how can you dare sort of suggest that a couple eggs every day is healthy? I find also a lot of just misinformation and sort of old conventional wisdom that we know is just not correct. 
mm-hmm. but it's become sort of the the point of of truth because it's been repeated so many times and you know even the federal government is sort of adjusting its stance on cholesterol intake and things like that but yet still i get people who are like how dare you suggest that eating more than one egg a day is healthy and i'm just like go read this book and deal with it because <laughs> you're not you don't understand and a lot of times doctors don't get the don't get nutrition training in their mm. in their medical training which is actually a real thing and a lot of them are you know traditionally trained to treat disease and not necessarily advocate for optimal wellness to prevent disease so it's sort of a different model but that's one of them that commonly comes up the other one is um just a lot of hate from vegans and i have vegan friends and i you know if that's your choice it's your choice but i don't go on social media and sort of say uh, and go onto vegan pages and go like you're so wrong and you know how could you do this and monocrop agriculture and mm-hmm. you know but yet it seems to come to us and i just yesterday got like sort of a troll who came on my instagram and was just like blap here you go and i i do understand the concerns in terms of animal welfare and our current, some of our current sort of uh, animal husbandry practices, at least in the United States and in the Western world, CAFOs and stuff like that, and what's ethical. But I'll also say that raising plant crops is not without its problems. Mm. Um, and if we think about the fact that monocrop agriculture has become a dominant form of agriculture in the United States, we're losing precious soil fertility and and this and that and then and that animals do die in the process of of raising plants to eat i mean it's not a perfect system do i want to see animals suffering needlessly and and living absolutely terrible lives no but just turning a blind eye to that and saying you know how could you do this and not working for, toward an alternate solution mm-hmm. is not preventing what's there and it's not like well i'm going to boycott this and the entire system's going to fall apart we have to build another way and people are out there doing it we just don't have quite the groundswell to make this how things are done mm-hmm. and i think if you're willing to if you don't believe in eating meat but you're willing to see how you can support other more ethical practices in that sort of arena, you are doing far more than just the people who spit hate and are like, how could you do this? You're a terrible person because you're actually helping to find an alternate solution and and improve the problem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those are probably the two biggest uh, haters that I get. But my, my answer is always like knowledge is power. And You've got to educate yourself about this stuff and what's truth and what's not. Um, even documentaries, there's a lot of spin. Things are biased in one direction or another. It's hard to get sort of a fair um, reading on some of it. But you've just got to do your best to to educate yourself and know what what's real and what's propaganda. Um, so yeah, those are those are kind of the two base ones. I don't get a ton of people. I mean, I don't stand for that sort of stuff most of the time. I just delete people and say go on your way. Um, yeah, that seems like the healthiest way to deal with something like that. <laughs> it's just be like, go away instead yeah. of continuously talking to the trolls. I feel like I'm going to have to listen to that section again. So the next time someone asks me why 
I am eating more meat now, I can give them an eloquent answer. Because since coming off the January challenge, I found that eating more of a high animal protein diet really works for me and my schedule. Uh, in this next section, I talked to Steph Godro about her activities. She was a longtime cyclist, turned to CrossFit, and now she does a lot of weight training or weight lifting, as it were. In fact, she is a CrossFit coach and used to work out and I believe coach at Glasgow CrossFit, where I just was this past weekend and I took at CrossFit Glasgow. It is a very fine box. I highly recommend you check it out. Speaking of Glasgow, guess who's going to be at the Glasgow Comedy Festival on March 12th at 7.30 at the Blackfriars Basement. You guessed it, me, Abigailia Shaman. I've been working on a lot of new material lately, and I'm really excited about it. And if you live in Glasgow, or if you know someone who does, please send them along. It's Saturday, March 12th, uh, 7.30 p.m. I will be there, and I hope you will be t there, too. Uh, okay, that's all my plugging for now. Thank you so much, and let's get back to Steph. Um, so you have been an active person regularly since college right because doing some research you had you had a bit of time where you weren't so active or was it wait it was during college you tell me <laughs> my think, my basic yeah. um is you you fell in love with biking for a while and then you went to crossfit and now you mostly do weightlifting yeah so, so how I how did that transition happen for you yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been into sports since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I played soccer and um, I tried to play basketball, but my hand-eye coordination is pretty <laughs> terrible. So, um, you know, I, I was always active. I did sports um, growing up through high school. I played soccer for a couple of years. I ran track. I did taekwondo. And then I did taekwondo. Nice. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It was really fun. I wish I could had the time right now to kind of go back and, and do some of that stuff because it was just a blast. But mm. my senior year of high school, I decided to get a job. And so spent uh, spent about 20, 25 hours a week sort of working at the local grocery store and packing groceries and then eventually becoming a cashier and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't exercise and I gained a bunch of weight and just was like, I don't feel good about myself at all. So I actually first kind of joined the gym down the street from where my parents lived and just kind of went in and had no idea what I was doing. And Just curious, just, did you grow up in California? No, I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. so that was that was on the East Coast and you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I just flailed around, but um, I kind of, you know, hung out in the gym every once in a while and, and did that for a while. And then I found mountain biking, so I did that for, I raced bikes for almost eight years, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more than that. And then in, in 2010... Uh, as I was racing bikes, a friend of mine was like, um, hey, you should try CrossFit. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, it sounds okay. I mean, I guess. And I was kind of, in a way, I mean, it was kind of the right time. I was starting to get really burnt out on racing bikes, um, racing long distances. I had a lot of back pain um, from just riding so much and was tired of suffering through it, which, you know, oftentimes if you do certain sports, you kind of suffer through what goes along with that sport. It's not always glorious. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, it was kind of the right time. So I tried a CrossFit workout in my garage and I was like, this is really fun. 
it was just so different. It wasn't anything like anything I'd ever done. And so for a while, I was doing CrossFit a few times a week and racing bikes. And I got a lot stronger on the bike. And um, just gradually was like, you know what? I think I'm done racing bikes for a while. I just my heart wasn't in it. I still had a lot of back back pain when I was riding and stuff. So I stopped racing bikes and then just started doing CrossFit. And I thought, you know, one of the things that really resonated well with me about CrossFit and as much as people like to bash it and say it's bad for you and, you know, it's a cult and this and that. But what I found was a community, uh, which for me was important because I was in such a tight knit mountain biking community like that aspect was very important to me mm-hmm. and if I was going to step away from mountain biking having a community of some sort around that thing that I like to do was very important to me mm-hmm. and I mean you yoga is the same way like yeah. you know you've got it's it's everybody has their little tribe and that's one thing I loved about CrossFit and the other thing that I really loved was um when I was racing mountain bikes and doing triathlons and running I just never felt like it was the right fit for my body you know, I, w- I got relatively good at it, but I was never as small as the other girls. I was never as small as the girls who were the best because yeah. they were the lightest and the smallest. You know, and I look back back at pictures of myself and recently I kind of posted a side-by-side of myself five years ago and today. And I was like, I was tiny, but I, I felt huge. And I felt like this is just a, it's. I always wanted to be smaller and I was never small enough. And no matter what I did, I just wasn't the right size. And I was very fixated on that. And it caused me a lot of kind of mental anguish. And so when I started doing CrossFit, all of a sudden, it became more about what I was able to do. And like the size of my body didn't really matter all that much. Mm -hmm. And in fact, having bigger legs was a was an asset. So I, I really started to love that I could focus on what I was capable of doing and the way I looked really wasn't part of the equation. Yeah. And certainly when I was on the bike, I mean, I would, I would win races and I would have great time, a great time out on the bike, but I always in the back of my mind was like, I'm just not the right shape for this thing. So I did that for a while um, and competed and had a great time and then started working for myself and Mm -hmm. life got a lot more stressful, very (laughs) enjoyable. I loved it, but I was like, wow, I don't have the time to devote to sort of the type of training that I need to do to be competitive in CrossFit. And it was. So you went from competitive biking to competitive CrossFit. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, at first I didn't compete right away because I was just learning, but Mm -hmm. over the course of about three and a half, uh, three, three and a half years, you know, competed and, and really loved it. But the, the training is very hard. It's very intense. And once I left my teaching job and I was all of a sudden my focus and my energy had to change. It had to go from um, sort of I, every day I could just, I knew what I was going to teach. It was very easy. I was just repeating myself five times a day to cr- literally creating every single thing that that was in my business, yeah. you know, obviously that energy had to come from somewhere. And I remember uh, it was it was in the fall of 2013. I was living in Scotland, actually, at the time with my now husband. Um, I took off for four months and moved to the UK and mm. was living there with him. And I was doing a CrossFit workout for training in the gym. And I looked at him and I said, I can't do that. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like I, I, this will kill me. If I keep doing this, I will end up sick. 
because it was just too much, too stressful. So I just decided I was going to squat and just lift weights and mm-hmm. have fun. And then when I got back to the States in 2014, I actually found my old coach. Um, you know, he's still here in San Diego and I just walked into the gym and I was like, I'm back. I just want to weightlift and I want to be strong. And I still train, you know, when I was CrossFit, doing CrossFit and doing sort of competitive training, I was doing five or six days a week. I train four days a week now and Mm -hmm. it's still hard and we have heavy days. But for me, the the actual training stimulus is much less stressful Mm -hmm. on my body. And so I don't have to worry about sort of making myself sick in the process, which I mean, I've, I know so many people and I will not name names, but I know so many people in the health and wellness industry, especially entrepreneurs and people on that are in the online health and wellness marketing space that put forth a very brave face about how healthy and well and fit they are. And behind the scenes, it could not be any more different, you know, adrenal fatigue, adrenal fatigue and eating issues and eating disorders and, um, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people I will not become like that and that's really been something that I've guarded very closely is like yes I work hard but I also take care of myself and I defend my health very very strongly did that's that's just so brave of you to acknowledge that in yourself and that you needed to change your workout because Mm -hmm. like what you were saying about uh biking I relate to as far as yoga I started doing crossfit like June of last year was the first class I ever took. Um, but then I was going back and forth so much between the states, it didn't really become something I did a lot till September. But when I, I, I competed once in yoga, I didn't place. Um, but uh, as a yoga instructor and as someone who was at, competing at one time, I wanted my body to look a certain way because that's how yogis look. Yeah. And, and like my, my colleagues and friends who are nutritionists are like, yeah, the, the winner of the competition is a three, you know, five foot Asian woman who used to be a gymnast like that. You'll never have that body. And I was like, but that's the body I'm supposed to have. (laughs) And then I got into CrossFit and I was like, oh, I could do this and I could, I could like, it seemed of a more obtainable goal than change, change my, you know, whole physical makeup. When you switched from, uh, biking to CrossFit to weightlifting, did you feel like you were breaking up with those sports? Cause you were, I mean, you were really going for it. You, you competed and you do weightlifting competitively as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, n- not so much the, the CrossFit to the weightlifting split because, Uh, I coach in a gym that's half weightlifting, half CrossFit. So Mm. I'm in that environment all the time. And if I really felt inclined and every once in a while I do, I go and do CrossFit wad with with the CrossFit class. Um, So I'm very much still in that world. I was ready to to make that transition. And I, I did it for reasons that were very personal and because I wanted to maintain my health and and not end up like one of those people that's a a statistic when I left um when I stopped mountain biking that was a much bigger shift for me in terms of the community that I was part of 
the uh, the culture, the things that bikers, cyclists, I shouldn't say bikers, <laughs> they're bikers, they think motorcyclists, um, what cyclists do, um, you know, where you hang out, what you do when you're not riding. I mean, that's really a culture. It's its, its own entity. And so um, I, I didn't necessarily lose friends over it, but I, there were definitely people in my life who were extremely important. And I saw a lot that I still keep in touch with, but I don't ever see. Um, and, and that stuff, you know, on some level, I, I, you know, I miss them. I am not happy that I had to leave that all behind, but on the other hand, I was I was definitely ready for it and I was ready for a different sort of lifestyle. Like every weekend I would spend the entire weekend away from home, um, you know, either away on an event or driving to and from a very, you know, sometimes we would drive from here to Mammoth for the weekend and come back. And that's at least five hours each way. And so I just had a much more, a much different sort of lifestyle. And I kind of by nature am more of a homebody. Mm hmm. Um, so now and, it's perfect. You work from home. Yeah, I work from home. I, you know, I do go to the gym and get out and see people, <laughs> and that's my socialization. Um, but I very much, you know, in a lot of ways, the decisions that I made, looking back, they were very purposeful and and really did serve a purpose to move me closer to this sort of to feeling like there was more integrity in my life, mm-hmm. and and I felt more aligned with what was important to me. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't regret leaving cycling. Um, I do miss my friends and I, I do miss the feeling of being out on the trail sometimes and, and all that stuff. But in some ways it feels like it was a different lifetime. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, I think that stuff's okay. I think it's okay to try different things. I think it's okay to, my friend Anne very beautifully describes it as seasons of your life. You know, there's just different seasons of your life and it's okay to break away and try something new and make a change. It doesn't mean you're quitting. It doesn't mean you're abandoning the people that you love or the thing that you devoted your time to and it was all for nothing Mm -hmm. because there's always something to learn and take away from those things. So yeah, I mean, I just kind of feel like if you, if you try to stay the same and you try to desperately hold on to what's not working for you, that's going to create some kind of dissonance in your life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you let go and you go with the flow and where life is taking you, it's infinitely better. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's gorgeous. I'm going to write that on my wall too. <laughs> on a completely separate note, I have a boyfriend who's standing right behind me and just told me I'm squishy. And I've been doing so much CrossFit lately. My feelings are hurt. But I just want to repeat that again uh, in case you didn't catch it. Steph said, if you try to stay the same and desperately hold on to what's not working for you, you're going to create some sort of dissonance in your life. And sometimes if you just let go and go with the flow, uh, you'll find something better, uh, which is so cool. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed all the episodes. And if you do, I just want to remind you, you can go and rate this podcast on iTunes. Uh, just go to iTunes and click and say it's good and give it a, a nice star review, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want to get involved in the community, join the Namaste Bitches Facebook 
or excuse me, the Namaste Bitches podcast. It's called Namaste Bitches Podcast on Facebook because Namaste Bitches was taken. Uh, join the Facebook group and uh, let's talk. Uh, next uh, gets into talking about uh, the Women's Strength Summit, which is going on right now. I've already signed up for it. You can sign up for it too. And then we can get on the Namaste Bitches Podcast Facebook group and talk all about it with each other. And that'd be really nice. All right, then back to Steph Godro. Um, I just have two more questions before we get going. You've been such a lovely person to interview because I can just say, ask one thing and you'll talk. And sometimes I'll have people where I'm like, so, uh, you, you eat paleo. They're like, yep. <laughs> well, <sighs> having a podcast of my own, I understand how, how it goes. So. Yeah. It's, uh, you're fabulous. You're wonderful <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, l- last two questions. Um, as someone uh, who's self-employed and a creative person with your own business, what are a couple tools that you found in working for yourself that have been really invaluable? That's a, it's quite mm-hmm. a big question, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe, um, maybe to help narrow it down, like what helped focus you to get you started? Oh, okay. Well, that's an easy answer. I did a program called B-School. Okay. Which... which Prior to me, <laughs> and then teaching, I write it down to teaching job. Yeah, B school. I I didn't know anything. As I had had a blog, as I as I told you the story, but mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this emerging sort of business business world of online marketing. I was like, I have a thing, but I don't make any money doing it. I don't know how to talk to people. I just say what I feel like saying. Like, and I don't know how to put myself out there really in a in somewhat of an organized way with a plan. So I did this program called B-School, which is an online business program. And I learned sort of the the underlying foundation of how to try to make a business for myself. And, you know, there's, there's no better way to learn than to try and make a bunch of mistakes and to keep, to keep trying more things and to work really hard. But that was definitely a, the thing that gave me sort of the confidence to go forward. And when I left my teaching job, my my blog was a blog. It wasn't a website. It wasn't monetized. It wasn't making any income in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. So I literally left and and I, I was starting at zero. And that program gave me sort of, like I said, the foundation to at least start to try things and understand how to put together a business online and make it valuable and reach really reach people and develop real relationships with people um not just potential customers but people to um potentially work with in the future or people to network with so that was probably the biggest one um you know in terms of like what i use every single day for for tools and stuff i would i would say probably the thing i use the most is dropbox <laughs> it's it's really not all that sexy you know, I, I was using a, a mail program called MailChimp, which a lot of people will probably be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And we just switched to a much more robust system called Infusionsoft, which some people may have heard of as well. And it was just kind of the right time in my business because I have so many things kind of in the pipeline and in the works. And I want to take care of my of my customers better. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of my goal for 2016 is to take the existing things that I'm doing and just support people more. 
mm-hmm. and and so not necessarily trying to do more things, but to do the things I do already in in a way that's more supportive and more valuable for people. Awesome. So, yeah. So those are probably uh, a couple of the things that I that I do all the time. And I would also say like my camera. I love my camera. <laughs> I started out honestly. If you if you go back far enough on on my website, you can find pictures I've taken with my cell phone or I had a little Canon elf, mm-hmm. just a tiny little point and shoot camera. And I didn't know anything about photography, which is pretty obvious when you look back <laughs> at some of my pictures, but you know, over the years I've upgraded slowly. And I think that's one piece of advice I would tell people is like, you don't have to get the best thing right away. Yeah. I also don't believe in usually getting the cheapest thing because you'll probably either outgrow it very quickly or it's not going to suit what you're looking for. Yeah. But I, I'm more of one of those people who typically goes kind of toward the middle of the road and sort of upgrades and goes gradually from there. Because when you're starting out and you're bootstrapping and you have zero dollars mm-hmm. in your bank account, you have to be very careful about where you spend the the money that's coming in or from your personal savings or whatever it, it might be. And for me, I just couldn't go out and spend. I w- First of all, I decided I wasn't going to be in debt. Um, That's I wasn't gonna- an awesome decision to make. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going to start a business, but I don't want to start off being in debt. Mm-hmm. So I never, I've never taken any loans. I don't even have, um, you know, I, I pay off my bills every month. And, and it's just been a careful process because cash flow for new businesses is, can be the death knell if you're if you outdo your cash flow and you end up with no money then you you might have to pack it up so yeah for me that approach kind of came out of the fact that i i am a bit more of a conservative person when it comes to spending but also because i just didn't have the money there so people always ask me you know how do i get started i don't have any money and i'm like learn how to do things for yourself and then as you grow on, go on and as you grow you can either upgrade like I did over the years with my camera or you can hire somebody to do it for you. But that's not always an option when you're first starting out. So you've got to be willing to be a student and learn a lot of stuff and, um, you know, and just be sort of tenacious about it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah. Your pictures of food are gorgeous, by the way. And when I was blogging and doing the paleo thing, I made the uh, uh, plantain pancakes. Yeah. And I was so excited about them and they tasted good. But I remember making them and putting them on my plate to take a picture with my cell phone because I'm not a photographer. And uh, I remember just my friend Adam was over and I was like, they don't look the same. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, real life versus taking a photo for kind of a cookbook is uh, two different things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, my final question is, uh, tell me about the Women's Strength Summit, which I've signed up for, by the way. Glad. Yeah. So I have created an online event called the Women's Strength Summit, and it really came about for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first reason was that way, way, way back when I first actually had just quit my teaching job, it was 4th of July weekend. I was at a friend's house for a party and they were sort of getting into the online business space as well. And uh, Sarah Servold, who is um, the, the woman who I was talking to, was like, 
you know, you'd be really good at making an online summit. And I was like, what? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Like, I literally just quit my job. Like, that seems way too hard and way too much and way too big. I never really forgot her words, you know, because when somebody says you should you'd be good at something, you're kind of like, really? Maybe I maybe I could do that. And and I can't even tell you how many instances people have relayed that to me where somebody suggested that they try something and they were like, okay, you know, like somebody said, you should try, a, you should make a blog about food. And I was like, okay, or you should try CrossFit. And I was like, all right. Um, and I think sometimes when you're ready to hear those things, you'll, you'll take it and run with it. But I wasn't ready at that time. And uh, this this past fall, I was in an online group on Facebook that was a group of marketers, um, and somebody posted about virtual summits, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. And I, I'm friends with the guy now, um, but I really was just kind of like, all right, those are, no, like, mm-hmm. I'm not into that sort of thing. And he really challenged me, and he's like, well, why do you think that, and why, you know, why would you say that? What What brought that about? And I was like, why do I have a thing about this? Why am I so like blocked there? And and so actually I decided to take a course to teach me how to make virtual summits. Right at the same time, I got an invitation to be a guest on a different virtual summit. And it was a summit addressed toward women. And it was very much like strong as the new sexy and look, look sexy and this and that. And I don't, it just, I was like, this really upsets me because I feel like we have we already have enough marketing for women that's like how to be sexy, how to get abs, like how to, you know, be 10% body fat. Um, women are constantly exploited in health and fitness marketing and, and, and our bodies are the thing that's selling the products. And I was like, we don't need another one of these. Do we need another one of these? No, we don't need another one of these. And then I got really kind of angry about it. And then I thought, okay, well, if if I'm going to get angry about this, then the only logical solution is to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so all these things kind of happened and came together at at the right time. And then I thought, you know, I want to create an event where I bring together women who are experts in their fields to address what it means to be a strong woman in the year 2016 beyond the bikini bodies and beyond the six minute abs and, you know, beyond the highly sexualized nature in which women are portrayed in health and fitness. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm totally going to do this because I believe that there is a deeper conversation that's going on in pockets around the internet. And mm-hmm. I want to bring all of these women together in one spot. And not only that, but strength can't just be physical. Yeah. Right. Like, the mental game is such a huge piece for people. There are a million different entry points for strengthening your body. It doesn't have to just be throwing a barbell around. Some people are like, no, I'm not into that. So how can I bring people from different fields together? And ultimately the goal is to, is to show women how you can be stronger Mm -hmm. without, you know, like I said, We've got somebody talking, two people talking about yoga. We've got somebody talking about Pilates, at-home workouts, self-defense, um, all sorts of different to- CrossFit, all sorts of different topics. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. And so I went to my phone first because I know so many incredible women 
just from my own experience, people that have coached me in the past and who have helped me. Um, I talked about my friend Dawn. I did her mastermind like in 2011. Mm-hmm. I reached out to her because she does. Uh, she's a sports psychologist and does a lot of mental training for athletes. And I just kind of started with the people I knew. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I know so many women who are making a huge difference. And I want to bring them all to one online spot. Because there are other, there are um, like Girls Gone Strong, for example, they're doing fantastic stuff. They do an in-person conference summit every summer. Oh, cool. Uh, which is fantastic. And I actually want to go this this year. But I thought, you know, sometimes people travel is a real issue. They can't get to a certain place or money is an object, um, an obstacle, I should say, that gets in the way of them participating in such powerful I- events that happen live mm-hmm. in person. And so I thought, okay, well, I want to make this online event, offer it for free so that people can come from all over the world to their computer and sit in their jammies and drink coffee or tea or whatever it is, learn something that goes beyond the surface, that goes beyond the very shallow marketing um, and sort of messages that big health and big fitness industries are putting out there to women every single day. Mm-hmm. And how and have these conversations about every topic that women face, whether it's I want to go to a gym for the first time, but I'm super intimidated and I don't even know where to start to um, I am a busy wife, mom, etc. And I only have time to work out in my house. But how can I do that to, um, you know, how do I improve my general health, like gut health, hormonal issues, um, postural issues and mobility you know what like one of my great friends Kate Galliott is talking about what are the postural issues that women oftentimes face because of what we wear or Mm. how we we've adopted certain postures to say hide the fact that we um, developed breasts very early you know like uh, or we're extremely tall women and so we hunch over Um, so all these great things and um, topics about pregnancy and childbirth and it just you know body image and self-love and I'm just uh I'm so thrilled that so many people are already really excited about it so it's happening from March 1st through the 9th um that's when the live event occurs and you can go to womensstrengthsummit.com and just sign up for a free ticket Mm -hmm. and the day that those interviews go live we're releasing three to four interviews a day You'll be sent a link and it'll be like, here's how to tune in and listen to all of these great female experts for that day. And the uh, the interviews are live for 72 hours. So folks like yourself who are in vastly different time zones yeah. can not have to wake up in the middle of the night and listen. So they'll be live for 72 hours. Great. Yeah. No, I saw that when I signed up and I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, although I do want to watch some of them live because it seems very exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I have a logistical question about the summit. Uh, yeah. This podcast is going out on the first or yeah. is supposed to. Can people still sign up the day of or would that absolutely. be too late? Nope. They can absolutely sign up. They cool. can sign up actually anytime during the summit. But the earlier you sign up, the uh, the more links you'll be able to see because once the 72 hours passes, then we take the videos down. So yeah. if you want to be able to have your pick of all of the interviews to listen to, then it's best to sign up as early as you can. But certainly sign up day one um, on March 1st and you'll be, you'll be in the loop. Awesome. 
Yeah, and it's it's absolutely like uh, my mind is constantly blown by this. But we've had as of right now to date, so it's February twenty third. We've had over eleven thousand women and men um, sign up to to grab their sort of free ticket and listen as the interviews go live. And I'm just like, that to me is so. It's just so crazy. A friend of mine said that her, a reader of hers who lives in Mozambique in Africa is a teacher at a school for girls and signed up so that hopefully they could learn a few things and pass those lessons on to their students. And I was just like, oh, wow. oh my gosh, like my heart is just so full of gratitude for everybody who is participating and just wants to change like I keep saying change that conversation about what it really means to be strong and I mean I could go on and on about matriarchal societies and the patriarchy and all sorts of stuff and um but I think women are a lot of women are like hey you know if you want to be sexy and you want to look good there's nothing wrong with that but we've got like more than enough resources to deal with that yeah don't have is the resources or we don't have as many people we're talking about what goes beyond that what goes deeper than that and so that's really um what i'm interested in in the work i'm interested in Mm -hmm. and so to be able to bring this to other people and have other people go like heck yeah i want to talk about that too there's just such a synergy there it's it's so great that's so cool and i'm so excited for it i'm really looking forward to it so thank you for putting it together um we've come to the end thank you so much for making time i'll I'll be honest when i asked you to do the podcast maybe it's because i lived in new york for 10 years but i'm used to uh getting in touch with people and then being like looking through their book and being like yeah i'm free in two months so when you were like (laughs) yeah no uh, i can do it on monday and then when that didn't work out the fact that you were able to reschedule just thank you so much um I was telling my friend that my theme for 2016 is connect. And mm-hmm. certainly that means connecting with people that I know and love in person more. But it also means sort of reaching out and, and broadening my horizons when it comes to talking to new people. So, yeah, so that's one of my goals this year is to just be more out there. That's that's a beautiful goal, and thank you for including me in it. Sure. Um, oh. Yeah, and thank you again for coming on the podcast. Um, it just really meant a lot to me that you made the time. Uh, can you give your piece of advice from the beginning uh, just one more time for the lovely listeners? Yeah, so it was to um, make sure that you're making enough time for yourself and take more time for yourself than you think you need. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much, Steph. You're welcome. That's it, guys. That's episode 16 of Namaste Bitches podcast. Check Steph's website out, uh, stupideasypaleo.com. Check her out. She's Stupid Easy Paleo on the Twitters and the Instagrams as well. Also, check out her podcast, Harder to Kill Radio. And I hope to hear uh, some of you heading to the Women's Strength Summit. Thank you so much again for listening. I'm Abigailia. You can follow me on Twitter at Abigailia. Rate and review Namaste Bitches on 
iTunes if you have a chance. And please join the podcast group on Facebook, Namaste Bitches Podcast. And uh, let's get a conversation started. All right. It is uh, 12.30 a.m. here in London. I have to fly to New York tomorrow. And I have a boyfriend behind me who's very annoyed that I'm spending date night editing a podcast. So I have to go. Uh, But uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a good one and namaste. Namaste.